Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santhia Esteban, and I'm your host today. Our special guest is Mr. Nice Jones. He's the co-founder of Empower 610, and we're going to talk about his journey and the come up. Maybe that's the theme of today. So nice. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I like that. Yeah, the come up. That always reminds me of a J. Cole's, one of J. Cole's first mixtapes was called The Come Up. <laughs> Yeah, he's one of my favorites because he speaks a lot of truth, but I love his longevity. And it reminds me a little bit about what you were talking about before we started recording in the sense that you do so many things and you've got your hands in, in a lot of different things. So catch us up on who you are, a little bit about what you do, and, and maybe more importantly, what some of those key points along the way that helped you get here. Yeah, for me, Nice Jones of Empower 610. We have a media company. Our motto is we're empowering minds one episode at a time, but we also do that with experiences. Now, how I arrived at that business is a much longer journey. I got my bachelor's, master's, and this year I'll be finishing my doctorate. And so the journey has been uh, 10,000 miles, it feels. But I originally worked in the advertising world after I finished my MBA and I published a magazine. So I've always really been into media and creative things. And through that journey, I ended up falling into education through a school as a sponsor of mine and my magazine at one of my events. And I'm an introvert, but sometimes I tend to just take interest in a lot of things and run my mouth. <laughs> so doing that while picking up a check for a sponsorship that my sales rep didn't have, he had to go somewhere else that day. So I just was like, I'm in there. I'll go pick it up. Long story short, I'm shooting the shit with the president. And next thing I know, I'm interviewing a couple of days later and then I'm teaching a week later and zero teaching experience. But I've also worked in education now for 12 years. I really enjoy it only because I realized I took my marketing mentality and put it into the classroom and like human experiences. And that allowed me to be effective. So the reason why I bring that part up is because my partner with the podcast company, oh, the media company that where we produce a podcast, he's a former student of mine. I had a role at one college where I was the entrepreneurship education specialist. So I worked with all the students who were interested in starting a business. I was someone who helped him start his business and we just continued to stay in contact. He ended up getting his degree from two different schools. We've always stayed in contact on social media. And then one day we were just having a really good business talk and we're like, yeah, we should just start recording these. And then it developed into a, a whole business. It's interesting for that type of like full circle type of thing to happen. And then to be producing media again, it's not print media, but it's still exposed through video and audio. Yeah, I'm curious. We're going to get into your thoughts on how today's media and marketing world is interfacing with education and, and the school system, because I'm just curious. I'm now going on my 10-year reunion from college. And I feel like that's a, that's been a world away. But for you, take me back to why education seemed to be a big part of your thing from the get-go. You, I couldn't wait to get out of school. And once my mom said, all right, you're done. I'll let you off the hook. I was like, all right, I'm going to go start my business. I'm going to go struggle this way. But as you're talking about it, I'm like, man, I was missing the value of that sort of structured educate, you know, going back and getting an MBA, going back and getting a, you know, doctor, all those sorts of things. I'm like, I can now see the value of that sort of education. But so I'm curious, what prompted you to keep going back into the well, whilst knowing that there was this business entrepreneurship thing out there as well? For me, education was literally never the mission. From high school, I knew I wanted to own my own business. I've explored and done so many like random things. 
to make money. And so I enjoyed like looking back on it. I've enjoyed communicating with people, getting people to buy and sell stuff. So I guess I was always a salesperson and just didn't recognize it. Now, partway through earning my bachelor's, there was no plan to go to grad school. I didn't even know what grad school was. I'm somebody who's from the hood and didn't know much. Just go to school, be successful, right? That's what our parents say. Little did I know there's so much nuance in that, which is why in my education practice, I'm always pushing external experiences. But I was reading, it was my junior year. I was reading, I just grabbed a random book from the bookstore, The Souls of Black Folk by W.E.B. Du Bois. And I saw he got a degree from Harvard in the late 1800s. And that just blew my mind because I didn't think that was a thing back then. Hey, I'm taught black folks are slaves and couldn't do this, couldn't do that. And so then I saw that and it just changed everything. And then a professor of mine started talking about like graduate school and master's. And so I was like, you know what? I probably could stand to benefit going a little bit further. But me and my ex were pregnant. So I had a daughter on the way right when I was graduating. So since I was like, it would be feasible to go into grad school right after undergrad, I decided I would just take that leap. And the place where I went, I was able to graduate in less than a year because I just fast track. So I just, I get really persistent. So I'm like, theoretically, it's this many credits, but they're like, oh, well, people only take two, three classes a semester. I was like, I want to take four. Oh, we don't know if that's a good idea. I said, if you just look at my transcript, I was taking six, six, four summer classes. My grades were good. So I wasn't really trying to hear that. They ended up allowing it. So I got my MBA in less than a year. So six years, I got the bachelor's and the master's. And I was like, maybe 24 at the time. So I flew through it despite the struggles in undergrad. But in my role now, being on the inside of education, there's so many issues with it that I don't stand with. That's just really not made for us. It's really not. If there's a lot of things that I learned in the process that I wouldn't have had access to. But in my spaces that I'm in, I'm trying to point people in the direction of resources, options and opportunities that if they have the energy and dedication that they don't necessarily have to go to school to do what they want to do. But school environmentally sound for collaboration, creation, and learning environments. But there's just so many holes with it that I feel like there's better ways of getting access to that stuff too. Yeah, for me, it was like, oh, the network seemed like the thing that could emerge that I perhaps missed out on. But for you, you mentioned that starting a business and making money was always a thing that you were doing. What was that evolution like? And catch us up on some of the key moments that you look back on that you feel were like, this is where I figured this part out and this is where I learned this. Or what was that like? Some of those things I'm still kicking myself about because I had an investment class and I did really well in it. We had like hypothetical stock picks and... My portfolio performed very well. Had I had money or just pulled the trigger and actually put money in it, that portfolio would have done very well over a 10-year span and would have made me incredibly more wealthy in a faster amount of time. But I think just that fear or lack of fully understanding didn't allow me to pull the trigger. But in a lot of my classes, there's so many different ideas that I explored. I still have my notebooks. I read through them now. And there's so many things that I was able to come up with that I could see ahead of the market to a degree. And that was only just because of paying attention to the pattern. So since I had that, I knew my intent to go to school was to start a business. I was taking that mentality into all my classes with, all right, I'm going to use this to my benefit this way or that way. So that was one of the aha moments just with certain classes. But once I learned my consumer behavior class, that one was the most eye-opening. 
And my professor, he worked in the advertising world. So he wasn't somebody who just went to school to go to school and all of a sudden started teaching. Like he worked in the real world and started teaching on his later years. So he gave us so much reality. And that's what's really drove things even further. Because I'm like, well, if I can do this and sell products and services for all these other people, I can do that for myself. And even though I was still focused on school when I actually worked in advertising and I saw the amount of money I was generating for them and the arguments I was having with management with how they approach sales. And I'm just like, that's actually extremely inefficient. Nobody does stuff like that anymore. This is how we do it. I was like, all right, well, I'm hitting my benchmarks quicker than other people and I'm doing less than what you perceive as productive. So there's got to be something to what I'm saying. Those were the reminders that I don't really do too well working for people and I don't mind working with or for people, but it's also I have a low tolerance for complacency. So I know that I'm not really fit to be in those spaces like that. So those are for me some of the aha moments I know that I'm meant to be more of like an architect for kind of pushing things forward. Yeah. It seems like experiences, both whether it's personally or professionally, they seem like challenges in the moment, but they're oftentimes the things that allow us to either develop the skills that were necessary to be successful or see the vision, to clarify the vision about either what we do or don't want, the organization that we want to be a part of, what we don't. When we get back from break, Nice. I want to hear about this, your thoughts on media. I'm the guy that kind of grew up idolizing Walt Disney and Ted Turner for some reason. Not for his mustache or some of the things that people don't love him for, but he was just, maybe even Vince McMahon was another guy, like these people Mm. who really created these intellectual properties. And it seems like you've got a really good understanding of kind of where media is going. And so uh, we're going to get into that uh, right after this quick break. Hey, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a podcast or production. We like to think of ourselves as platform builders because chances are you have a passion, a product, a mission, a message, something that you want to get out to the world, but you may not have the time, the team, or the tech skills to do that. If that's the case, we can help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. You can also check the show notes for the link. And with that, let's get back to the interview with Nice. So nice. Talk to us about the media side of it. I think I've shared on this a little bit, but I was also the eighth grader that snuck out of class to go work on uh, like one of the first IMAX that the school had and, and do iMovie to create the school news uh, report. And and I was just, I've been fascinated by media, hence the podcast. And here we are dozens of years later. But talk to me about what your evolution with media has been. And I'm curious also how you see it fitting into business and why it's worth it for you and and why you're building your businesses around it. Honestly, I've always loved, and this is going to sound extremely childish, but I love storytelling. And I feel like the why it is the glue amongst all of us is we've all been hearing, reading, watching, and consuming stories. And for some of us, since we were in our mother's womb, those creative ways in which stories are told and distributed amongst a variety of mediums is really what brings things together. Uh, I was always a huge fan of Steve Jobs. And one thing that was very big for him with presenting any new product or service was his ability to communicate and storytell. You mentioned Walt Disney, storytelling, script. Vince McMahon, same thing. Very well organized. So much is in... So much fantasy is rooted in reality that it relates to a lot of humanity. So the more that our businesses now have become 
so like hyper business where, you know, some businesses are very disconnected from people. Customer service isn't as good as it used to be. And some people might be good at like storytelling and bringing people in, but they're not always good at retaining them. But I feel as humans, because we have access to so much, we are looking for the why and the how of everything the same way we did as kids. We just don't recognize it as such. I feel like businesses can stand to benefit so much more from like doing their own storytelling. Some businesses do their own media. Some would actually stand better to contract someone else to do the media for them. Now, what that looks like for that business really is rooted in whatever they view their necessity is, but everyone should be doing it because that's how you really build community. I had um, a graphic designer that I used to collaborate with a lot of years ago, and I used to always say I felt like I could see further ahead in marketing and ad world. And he used to always say, what do you think is next? I said, to be honest, it's all community. We're not in the information age anymore. That's dead. There's too much information. We're in the creative age. So after you have mass amount of information, it's like a 10,000 piece puzzle. You got to start putting pieces together and eventually you make this picture. So what that picture looks like is determined based on the entity. So the more that we're putting these pieces together to make a beautiful picture, we're telling a story that we're crafting and building a community around this story, and then we're collectively moving forward. So by doing that, we actually become gatekeepers. So a large company that wants to advertise, they got to come through you. You're the storyteller. You created this podcast. If they want to appeal to your community, you now get to gatekeep. You can control who advertises and who doesn't. And not everyone, not every dollar is a good dollar. If there's no alignment, like, why take it? There's plenty of times I've turned down business, clients, it doesn't necessarily go with or align with my community. So I protect them as the community leader. So I think that's such an essential part of it. And then as business owners, we're now starting to look at our clientele a lot differently. We're more engaged. We're more embedded. We know more about each other because of social media. So now as an owner, you get to curate that story and then listen to other stories as you see fit. But the community part is the biggest part. And it's because we went from information to creation and now we're all curators of experience. Yeah. This community thing is really fascinating because I think that a lot of businesses have started to wake it up to the value of content. We're working with a lot of executives in rather niche and obscure company industries that are now all of a sudden concerned about their personal brand. And <laughs> yeah. You would have never seen them outside of the boardroom talking about anything, but now they want to be on LinkedIn. They want to be on podcasts and they're seeing the value of it. But to your point, what I think they're missing is that it's not content for content's sake. It's not even content for the thought leadership, the self-aggrandizing sort of thing that comes along with look at me and how smart I am. But the next part of it is that it's actually content that creates community. It's content that allows someone to feel a part of something that keeps them around and coming back. And that's something that I don't know a lot of businesses are quite privy to. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like you said, I do find like the personal branding evolution has, you just see it everywhere now. Like you said, you have some folks that are stepping from behind the veil and they're trying to personify themselves more and they don't always understand or do a good job at it. And honestly, I keep it super simple. Like, even in my work at the university, they'll say, oh, who's faculty, who's staff? And I'm like, I'm human. That's it. I don't subscribe to these additional labels. I know that's how y'all communicate, but I show up everywhere as human as possible, legitimately caring for the people around me and it resonates. And so it's not like 
I don't do content just for content's sake. I do everything with like intention and, and care. And that seems to resonate with the hearts and minds because they know I always said, even when I worked in advertising, I, I ain't selling nothing. Y'all are going to spend money on these platforms regardless of me. I just feel good knowing I'm going to give you real, raw and authentic information. You can choose to invest it with me or you can go to someone else. At least I know I'm not here to sell you a damn thing. You're going to spend it. But that person might be lying to you just to get a commission check. I don't got time for lying because that doesn't sit well with me anyway. As you look forward to on this sort of thing with personal branding, the other downside of content and media right now is this the AI sort of thing. And I'm a big fan of AI, but I also have become privy and noticed like, oh, that that was written by AI. The pictures are like, oh, that's an AI picture. Like the more that you use it, the more you start to recognize it and it starts to diminish its value. And I think that a lot of times people are like, wow, I can just tell it to write me something and boom, there it is. But what are your thoughts on that? And, and how are you approaching the utilization of AI? Yeah, I love it. And I a thousand percent agree with you. I get so irked when I see it just because I'll use it to remove the fog, right? If I'm not thinking, boom, I'll use it to jumpstart and let the sparks go. And then I'll either delete that, remove it, or add on to it. I don't use it to be like, you know what? Go do this for me. That'd be like me hiring a ghostwriter for something. Like, I just wouldn't because I feel like my ability to communicate is really good. So I agree in using it to like jumpstart things because sometimes starting is the hardest part. But I see people blatantly allowed to do like everything. And like you said, I can spot it because I do use it. So I know how it works and AI just lacks soul. And for me, I'm really big on a culture and ain't trained for black folks. It can't mimic that culture. We iterate a certain way. Now, eventually it'll catch up because that's just how things work. But right now it's not going to be hip on the latest slang. And I use a lot of slang with things that I communicate because I know who it will resonate with by design. AI can't plan for that. AI mess around, you say, give me some black culture lines and it might say jive turkey like it's the 70s. Nobody say that no more. I, I don't even want to know what it's going to come back with. Yes. Yes. So I agree in using it, but I feel just like with a lot of things, efficiencies sometimes make people lazy. But the thing is, the proof was showing the results at some point. Like things always balance itself out. I'm not a fan of all the AI music stuff that's going on. I agree with some use cases, but a lot of it, it's a little weird for me. It is weird. It can get really weird. The, the easiest way I can liken it is it's a tool for, we're building skyscrapers right now and no one's out there doing it with their raw hands. They're using machinery and they're using tools that scale their creativity, their precision, their their ability to, to create a building and to all of a sudden make it bigger and better and, and whatever. And the same thing can be done with AI if utilized and leveraged the right way, like you're talking about to get through creative blocks or to do extra research, but it can't be what we're just relying on. Yeah. That's, everything was made in these little container houses that, that you start <laughs> to see popping up. It's like kind of the equivalent of that. Yeah, no, I agree. Like like you said, it's a tool. You have a series of tools, use them to create compelling products or compelling service, but don't just lean on it to automate and get to a quick buck because there's not a lot of longevity in that. So I love it. I love the speed at which things are coming, but the people that take the time to learn and use the tools adequately, like you said, they'll be able to build skyscrapers in the sky pretty soon if they do it. Nice. This is a uh, fantastic conversation. We connected on Instagram, so I want to encourage the listeners to go and get connected with you there. Where else can people go to get deeper in your world, find out more about what you're up to, some of the projects that you're invested in? 
Yeah, most definitely Instagram at Nice Jones, N-Y-C-E-J-O-N-E-Z. You can probably search any social media. I don't know too many people that have ever used that name. I've had this name since, I don't know, like 30 years. But also Empower610.com. That's where our content lives right now for the podcast and media. And through that, like I said, our models empower minds one episode at a time. But we've also done a series of events because we like to be in front of the community. So last year with us doing a, a large hip hop showcase, the first one that was backed by the city where I live in Allentown, Pennsylvania at West Park, which is an iconic park here and has never been done before. And then they circled back and did a couple other hip hop one-on-one workshops in the community where we featured an artist, a DJ, doing things with the youth. We even had a beat maker and we were just being hands-on with the kids. So a lot of times we like to get off the screens and into community. But this year we're already working on some much larger projects as the summer. So I told everyone last year was the appetizer. This year we're maximizing. So you can find us on empower610.com, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-610.com. In addition to that, I'm in love with words. I have a couple books written that I'm looking to publish and I figured I'd rather publish through me versus someone else. So I'll be publishing and then looking to take on authors. And I want to read remodel what that looks like for collaborating with authors to produce products that is much different than what a lot of these big traditional publishing companies do. So you'll be able to find me there, nicevisions.com, N-Y-C-E-V-I-S-I-O-N-S.com to learn more about my creative work, publishing, And one of my goals I just put out online yesterday was by the end of the year, I want to launch the music side of it where I'll work and develop, take on my first music artist. So I have a lot of passion for publishing and music. So let's see what happens for 2024 and beyond. I love that. We'll link all that stuff up in the show notes. So go check the the links for those and get connected with Nice. Uh, I want to thank all of you for being with us today. And those of you who stuck with us, we would be uh, forever grateful for a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you know someone who needs to hear this, someone who's growing a business, hit that share button, send them a text, send them a DM, let them know that you were thinking about them. And uh, let's grow this community together. As always, we appreciate you being here. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings.